Hello and welcome to Business Line's special series on the budget. In today's episode, we are talking about a bright spot in the India story, the banking, financial services and insurance sector. India, in a short span of time, has introduced game-changing products in the financial space, with the UPI payments ecosystem becoming a runaway success. After a period of being under pressure, the banking sector is doing well. Banking sector Bank's asset quality has improved in the first half ending September 30, 2022 for the period FY23. RBI's data shows that scheduled commercial bank's gross NPA has fallen to a 7-year low. The net NPA has contracted to a decade low. The demand for bank credit is back and this is an early indicator of a revival of the investment cycle. India is well on its way to become the sixth largest insurance market by 2032. Given this, what can the government do to boost the sector? What does the banking sector want from the budget? Hamsini Karthik joins us in this podcast to explain. Welcome, Hamsini. Thank you so much, Siddharth. It's always a pleasure. Hamsini, uh, can you tell us how the BFSI sector has fared over the last year? It's been a dream run for the sector. And I'll explain why. Because when... COVID happened and it was a very, very difficult phase for banks because people could go out and collect, people could go out and lend. There were a lot of curbs and business came to a standstill for about 45 days across. Many of us wrote off banks. We thought they would take some time to bounce back and their profits are going to take a deep hit. There was also a situation of liquidity crunch at that point in time. RBI has helped the banking system to a large extent. Much of uh, 2020, we had rates come down to a rock bottom of 4% in June 2020. And a culmination of everything, uh, and on a lighter note, people being stuck to homes and people being stuck to where they were for way too long and the rebound uh, that we saw in 21. All of these together uh, ended up that you know, banks saw very, very healthy growth defying the popular opinion in 22. And by 22, I mean both ways, FY22 as well as calendar 22. Now, calendar 22's rub-off effect is also being seen in FY23. And uh, the I think the highlight point for banks is that we've seen uh, much of the growth comes from a very, very strong uh, net interest income growth, which means that banks have been able to lend very competitively and very efficiently. And that is what is boosting the growth that we're seeing in the banking system. One of the big announcements last year was the creation of a digital currency. What is the status? This became reality in November and in two parts. First, we saw how CBDC was introduced to wholesale bond market. They were told that about 200 crore of uh, transactions take place. Then in December, the 1st of December, we had a retail rollout. Banks tell us that there's been a decent traction. There are four banks in a pilot mode and uh, the traction is gaining strength. There's a lot of experimentation, uh, uh, mood and feel, which is still on ground as far as retail CBDC is concerned. And uh, it's very early stages to say that uh, it's collecting great volumes, but this product is here to stay. I don't think we're going to be seeing a rollback on CBDC ever, ever soon, ever at all, in fact. 
In the last budget, the finance minister proposed setting up of two asset management companies, National Asset Reconstruction Company Limited (NARCL) and the India Debt Resolution Company Limited. How are they faring? Well, this is a project that hasn't taken off as envisaged. So, just to put it in perspective, NARCL is the company that will acquire assets through a Swiss auction route, and uh, the debt management company is the one which would manage those bad assets, turn them around, and generate income of it. The problem is that. NARCL is actively looking at bids, but nothing has really uh, gotten uh, converted into a full-fledged transaction, and therefore we're still very far away from seeing the debt management company do any business at all. So NARCL, I would say, is a bit of a dance squib. We thought it would take off well, but it is not. And interestingly, it's not taking off as envisaged because both are at loggerheads. Now, NARCL doesn't want to acquire an asset uh, too high. And we must remember one very critical thing here. An asset has, has reached a certain stage and now it is going to NARCL pretty much as a last option because it's seen through other bids, it's seen through other offers and banks haven't been so happy with what they got in hand. So obviously from NARCL, they will expect a number which should logically be higher than the number that others were willing to offer. Lower than that, banks will get into trouble. Somebody could question them at a later date. Why did you sell it low when you had an offer at X plus Y? So for fear of that, banks are holding back. But at the same time, what if NARCL also ends up overpaying for an asset? That is a doubt which people at NARCL have because obviously they also don't want to get questioned at a later point in time. There's a bit of a tug of war that's happening right now. Uh, meeting of eyes on valuations um, is seeming to be a little distant. But we must remember that uh, NARCL was set up for a certain specific purpose. Um, now, if you look at uh, the balance sheets of banks, we are at, at a decadal best in terms of NPA numbers, right? But even when we take pu public sector banks, they're at a 10-year low. But having said that, their numbers could be much better if some of the um, historic uh, bad loans are taken off from their books and parked elsewhere. And NARCL was envisaged to be that vehicle which would suck out these bad loans and park it somewhere else and hence make the balance sheets of PSU banks a lot more attractive in terms of gross NPA numbers, right? That is the slated purpose of NARCL and that is yet to happen. But if the ultimate objective is to beautify the books of uh, PSU banks, including someone like an IDBI, which is sitting at a 15% plus uh, GNPA number, then we need to find a way to end this logjam. I think that is something uh, that people would watch out for in the budget. Uh, is the government going to give any sort of a pricing sweetener or a deal sweetener for NARCIL to uh, move ahead with its bids, uh, for it to uh, hasten the process of uh, acquiring bad loans? The Modi government has been focusing on financial inclusion, be it Jandan, UPI, or providing insurance at low premiums. What can we expect this year? Well, insurance is a sector which apparently 
is uh, being talked about in all corners for two reasons one is that we are expecting uh, something called a composite license to be announced uh, in the budget session not necessarily in the budget uh, what that means is that uh, an insurance company need not necessarily be bucketed only as a life insurance or general insurance or a standalone health insurance company i can take a license and i can do any product of my choice um that can be a game changer for the industry because it helps in effective utilization of capital and uh, that can go a long way in terms of uh, rekindling the interest that one would have in the insurance sector and the moment my capital utilization levels are better that gives a little bit of a pricing flexibility as well so that is one thing that people are really watching out for and like you mentioned so that uh, we've had uh, this sashitization of premiums uh, sashitization of uh, policies and all that that's happened and the government has taken a lot of effort in terms of you know jandan insurance schemes and st- stuff like that uh, pmjjy to name one these are a big hit among people and they they are being sold as embedded products also in many cases uh, some of the small finance banks are very very active in this market and it is ending up to be social good so are we going to see uh, you know more of these drives are we going to see uh, some sort of a sweetener being handed out to companies who do more of these products these are things that we would watch out for in the budget but i believe the focus on financial inclusion uh, financial stability to all strata of the economy that should that will not go away from the government remember invariably the pre election year union budget is very very uh, closely watched out for because it would hand out uh, you know uh, sweeteners and um, cookies like these maybe we should watch out for one the other very important thing which insurance companies will keep an eye out for is uh, are some products going to change in terms of tax structure so right now if you look at most of the, the the thought process of the government somewhere is that don't sell insurance because it's giving a tax benefit sell insurance because there is a life uh, cover in it or there is a life protection element to it right um and this change we we've, we've seen a lot of tax related personal income tax related changes uh with respect to this aspect uh, playing out in the last 5 uh, 6 years now there is one particular product which is a long term savings product which is still out of the tax net there are a lot of questions being raised why it should be kept out of the tax net when other similar products are all taxed including a fixed deposit so we'll have to watch out for things like this uh, is it going to change the uh, the approach to taxation from a personal taxation angle uh, to benefit or uh, to further streamline insurance policies that we will that will be an interesting takeaway in this budget i think what reforms are the industry expecting well it's a very very wide question and i'll tell you uh, why because um, there are many ways to look at the banking sector okay it is an industry which funds various other industries so any progressive reforms let's say in the housing sector or in the infrastructure space uh, aviation space 
um, education, all of that will have a cascading effect on the banking sector. Uh, that is one way to look at the banking sector expectations uh, needs. The other thing would possibly be on some of the contentious issues like UPI, what's going to happen? Are we going to see a regime of, uh, you know, some fee being brought into UPI? Although the finance ministry later last year um, did come out um, and say that UPI will remain a free product, but there are a lot of people in the ecosystem who are losing out because of that. Innovation, as some of the industry players say, is being put in the back burner because some products end up being perpetually loss-making. So what would be the compensation structure for UPI? What would be the compensation structure for some of the payment mechanisms where the government and the RBI heavy lifts the paycheck? These are things that, you know, from a sector perspective, will be critically watched. Then we also had this uh, subvention scheme for SMEs, MSMEs. Whether that will continue for another year or two as we run into the election or what sort of, you know, the, how is the government going to finance the banks who have lent to people basis these schemes or to spur and support lending? Will we see some more of these subventions? Uh, will we see some more of these hand-holding schemes by the government, especially in the MSME sector? Because MSME is one space which, uh, like I said in the early part of this conversation, people completely wrote it off because of COVID. But because of the government coming up and helping uh, due to uh, ECLGS and uh, things like that, basically credit guarantee backed uh, bad um, but those loans do come for a relook now in March 2023 so will the scheme get uh, elongated for a few more years till they come back fully in health because globally we're talking about uh, um, a recession a possibility of slipping into recession and MSMEs do tend to be very export sensitive and export oriented so uh, from a banking sector perspective, how will the government handhold MSME is something that we would sort of uh, be very carefully watching out for. Um, there is another interesting thing as well. Yesterday, the Reserve Bank of India came out with uh, expected credit loss framework, ECL framework. Now, NBFCs have already adopted this, but there aren't too many uh, PSU-led NBFCs pretty much, at least in the listed space in the system. But there are a lot of PSU banks. But, and these PSU banks systemically are so much more times uh, valuable and critical as a component of the industry vis-a-vis -vis an NBFC. And NBFC tends to be more on the captive side, on self-use side, whereas PSU banks spur credit, spur growth. So will we see the government uh, sort of uh, come up with... Uh, uh, some supportive uh, guidelines or some commentary on how the uh, ECL adoption would happen. Because remember, this is an event that can consume capital. Because um, if, if you are provisioning in a certain way and that goes for a change, obviously uh, provisions will go higher and higher provisions mean uh, uh, lower net profit. And to that extent, capital consumption could be faster. So will the government sort of pitch in to do one more round of fundraising or uh, will it help uh, PSU banks go on their own to collect money as capital? This will be interesting to watch. Nonetheless, there's always this uh, thing that has played out in the last four years. Uh, and I'm talking about uh, privatization drive here. This government has been fabulous in terms of cutting down the number of banks. It's been very aggressive. 
and rightly so in shrinking the number of PSU banks. Um, that exercise has turned out to be pretty much a success. So what next after consolidation? There is an expectation of another wave of consolidation. Are we headed to that? Two years back, the government said we will put two PSU banks on the block for the divestment process. That was omitted last year. So will the government revive that uh, idea now, given that IDBI is beginning to somewhere reach a logical conclusion? I think from a, from a banking sector broader perspective, four or five things that one would want to sort of uh, be very carefully looking out for. The UPI is now going global. So what next for the payment system? Very interesting question. I would think that it would continue to spread its wings. We're talking about uh, inter-trade settlement with UPI. I think that would be the next. Uh, signing up with more countries for these inter-trade would be the next logical step for UPI to go. But with UPI, Siddharth, the, the critical thing is how is the government going to address the cost side of the equation? Because you will not find... What's, I'll tell you what's already happening, okay? About four or five years back, although UPI penetration was lower, the, the probability of a rejection was a lot lower compared to what it is today. Today, it takes a lot of QR swipes and a lot of QR scans to see through one transaction go through. And that's increasingly the case with almost every user, right? Now, if you want to avoid the situation, if you want to better the situation, you have to better the back end. So when we are looking at the question of what next for UPI, I think the elephant in the room that should be addressed is how do you want to better the technology in UPI? And are you going to make it a free market product? Because unless you're going to address this particular aspect, people will be hesitant because as a service provider, I could be incurring, let's say, a thousand rupee bill. And if I have to foot the bill all by myself without any reward or without anything as a thank you for the bill, there is no incentive for me, right? So the incentive mechanism has to be sort of put in place or brought back in place, make it a free market product, and then we will see UPI being taken to other countries. We've already, uh, uh, this month, we saw UPI being taken to a few other countries. NRIs can use UPI uh, through their Indian bank account. That's a great move. Um, maybe we should walk into a position where I can use the phone in a country like US or Singapore and swipe on uh, a QR. The government has been pushing for insurance for all by 2047. What are some of the things that they are doing to achieve it? Well, there are a lot of things that is being planned for in this regard. You know, like we spoke about earlier, one of the most critical things is sanitization of premiums, sanitization of products. And uh, the critical aspect is that um, now if you are a salaried person, but not from the formal sector, access to life insurance especially is still uh, quite challenged. And uh, it can be a challenging process as well to avail one. And this is something where the government has started engaging even with the private sector uh, insurance players to see how we can um, uh, go down to the bottom of the pyramid and uh, go down to them in a very, very efficient way so that everybody in the process can make money. 
that's one thing which is already in the works um will government uh, like we have a psl norm a, a priority sector lending norm in banking will government introduce something like that even in the insurance space to ensure that every company does a minimum of so much of uh, bottom of pyramid uh, pr- products and policies that is one thing that could come up as well in the future and uh, a lot of work is going down on the bop level um, there is also a bima sugam app which has been floated about um i wouldn't say it is in the works it's in early stages of being in the works it's a upi in the insurance that the government is looking at wherein you can manage everything with just your phone i think these are some of the very revolutionary steps if done and implemented in the right way in taking upi to everybody by uh, 2047 Privatization and disinvestment have been pressure points in the 2021-22 budget. Finance minister said that the government will privatize two PSU banks and one general insurer. And gain traction. Why so? Like I said, Chidat, um, we will watch out for commentary on this aspect in this budget. I think last year's budget omitted the part on uh, divestment of PSUs, uh, largely because. uh even a good uh, candidate like idbi wasn't making much of a headway but that narrative is beginning to change it looks like privatization of idbi now is pretty much reality we're getting to hear of deadlines of september 2023 and so on so uh, now the government might have better confidence and be in, be at a better footing to handle something like a privatization so that we should uh, expect inclusion of uh, privatization as well in uh, this budget but then closer to the election will they go all out on this as an agenda or not will uh, that might be the only thing uh, which um, you know could be a bit of a point to ponder for even the government uh, there is another um, uh, round of uh, uh, consolidation among psu banks that's being widely talked about will that happen that may also happen because the government went ahead boldly with consolidation in 2018 um i'm talking about the bank of baroda case even as 2019 there was elections general elections so consolidation is more of a tried and tested baby rather than privatization i do expect a uh, mention of either either and or or, or uh in this budget and it will be very interesting to see yes it's had low traction but low traction is pretty much because past history has been weak now that is on a course correction so it should gain traction the finance minister also said that the government is committed towards more banking reforms what could they be it could be on the side of handing out bank licenses where again yesterday we saw a master circular being issued by the rbi on who can be a promoter of a bank how can a person hold shares at a bank and so on and so forth it could be on that side it could be in terms of our uh, um income recognition norms income recognition asset classification norms are we going to see any uh, any more fine tuning in that uh, to match the new um, indias standards and so on it could be on that side or we had uh, uh, digital banking units being announced uh, in last year's budget 
we're beginning to see a reasonable amount of traction on that front there is a reasonable amount of understanding and drive within uh, every layer of uh, the banking system whether at the government's end rbi's end or even among banks the digital is the way forward so uh, will the government hand out some sort of uh, uh, sweeteners for banks to go more uh, gango digitally rather than physically um, will they get better uh, incentives if they uh, branch out to tier 3 and below cities these are these are some of the reforms uh, which if addressed well could go a long way in financial inclusion as such and uh, the the thrust of this government has been largely on financial inclusion and financial stability uh, i expect that momentum to be continued uh, uh, by op- adopting and opting to these two three buckets thank you hamsini for your insights on the bfsi sectors wish list ahead of the budget 2023 and until next time this is your host sadat signing off